Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We are in a series entitled Hearing God. During this month of July, we hope to rekindle a hunger within us to hear God's voice and listen and respond to Him. Thanks for joining us. My name is Brendan Hanlon. I just graduated high school, so pretty exciting. I come from a family of 10 kids and two parents, so I have nine siblings. I'm the, the third oldest in that bunch. I used to never pray. I, I used to go to my room at night and be like, well, I could pray, but I'm just so tired, I want to go to bed. And then at one point, it was, it was about last fall, I, I made a decision to, before I go to bed every night, kneel on my bedside and pray. And my experience with that and was just amazing. I was so much less anxious, just felt like my relationship with God was really growing. I was praying one night before bed, and I was like, just asking God, like, what He wanted me to do. I just heard Him ask me to, to text this person who I hadn't talked to in months, and our relationship didn't end on the greatest terms, and to, to just text her and apologize to her about the way our, our relationship ended, things that I, I needed to say. Um, and I texted her, and I got a response, and it was just kind of a way to to end the relationship on better terms than, than we're ended. And I'm, I'm just so grateful to, to God for calling me to do that. And then also just for him giving me the strength to do that because I would, I would never do that. Like that is just like something totally out of my comfort zone and just something I would never even think to do. And it was, it was just totally God. I would say the difference between knowing if it's like my conscious or my own thoughts and God speaking to me is specifically in this example, it's, it's not, like I said, something I would never do, something I would never even think to do. And like, like God's wanting you to think that, God's, God's guiding you to that. That, for me, was the difference between it being my own thought and it being what God was calling me to. I totally look at prayer as like so ordinary. And so when, when I hear God's voice through prayer, it, it almost feels ordinary in my mind. Like, I guess lately I've just been realizing how, how like, insane that is that like the God of the universe talks to me and I can I can go straight to him and talk to him and and hear his voice well good morning church family it's so good to be with you this morning if we've not met my name's Chuck I'm one of the pastors here I'm one of the worship leaders and I typically have the privilege of uh Working alongside a bunch of talented and amazing artists, just helping to facilitate corporate worship. But today I get to open the Word of God with you, and I love to get to do that too. So if you've got a Bible with you, pull it out uh, and open up to Mark chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the seatbacks in front of you. You can grab one there. If you're still getting familiar with your Bible, the Gospels are kind of about three quarters of the way back. You'll see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And we'll be in Mark 1. We're going to be kind of dipping in and out of Scripture today. So put your finger in Mark 1 when you get there, maybe a bookmark. And then turn to Luke 5 as well and, and throw a bookmark there. We'll be walking through Luke 5 and then into Luke 9. Then we'll eventually end up in Acts 10. All right? So we are 
continuing a series that we've entitled Hearing God. And we just kicked this off last week. So if you're just joining us today, it's a great day to be here. I love that we got to hear from Brendan Hanlon, seeing him grow up in this church. And it's so cool that he's willing to share his testimony. We just believe that we see ourselves in each other's stories. And so each week in this series, you're going to be hearing from a different individual or a different couple just talking about the things that have been helpful for them when it comes to hearing God and the things that have been difficult, you know, the hangups. And we know that in a room this size, many of us come in here with this topic, with skepticism, with baggage, with confusion, with mistrust on the, on the one hand, right? But on the other hand, how can you read scripture and not think, man? This is one of the most important things that we want to learn to do. So John 27, Jesus says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And here's why we're doing this series. If you're following along in your notes, we're doing this series because we believe if we're going to walk in the way of Jesus, we have to learn to hear his voice. If we're going to walk in the way of Jesus, We must learn to hear his voice. So what we're going to do for the next four weeks is we're going to explore one way each week in which God speaks to his people. And the divine means of communication today is prayer. Prayer. God speaks through prayer. Ready? Ready to dig in? Okay. Martin Lloyd-Jones. In the 20th century, a minister at a Westminster Chapel in London said this, everything that we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. Alexander White in the 19th century, Church of Scotland said, there's nothing that we are so bad at all our days as prayer. Thomas Shepard, 17th century, an English and American Puritan minister said, there are times in my life when I would rather die than pray. Abba Agathon, desert father, fourth century, said there is no labor greater than that of prayer to God. For every time one wants to pray, one's enemies want to prevent him. Prayer is warfare to the last breath. And Job, in Job 23.3, a contemporary of Abraham a very long time ago, B.C., said, oh, that I knew where I might find him. If you're here today and you're a bit intimidated by prayer, you got a lot of friends in a lot of centuries. And yet it's been said that American culture could possibly be the hardest place in the world to learn to pray. And yet, in spite of all this, everyone prays. Everyone prays. You know what I mean? Like nobody approaches chemotherapy thinking, gosh, I suppose I ought to pray about this. I just can't be bothered. We don't tend to welcome newborn babies into the world with the words, behold, a fluke born into a meaningless universe. And none of us ever stared up at the stars at night in the middle of a national park and whispered, wow, I am awestruck by my own magnificence. (laughs) No. We pray. We pray. We can't help it. Prayer is everywhere from Jonah in the belly of the whale, to the country artist Jelly Roll, whose top 10 hit, Need a Favor, released this June, has stadiums of people singing about prayer at the top of their lungs. 
I only talk to God when I need a favor. I only pray when I ain't got a prayer. It's like everybody's with Jelly Roll, right? I'm like, yes, yes, me too, Jelly Roll. Even when I don't pray, at some point I pray, I just can't help it. It's fascinating to me. It's fascinating. It's something so elusive could be so universal, you know, something so difficult to get our hands around to do consistently could be everywhere we look. And there's no end in sight because prayer is here to stay. It is not going anywhere. Prayer is part of what it means to be human. So instead of being racked with intimidation, I want us to walk in here today and receive the invitation to learn to learn. This is all invitation. The word disciple in the Greek, methetes, it means learner. So here's what I want to do today is I want to learn how to pray from the original learners, the original disciples. I want to learn from Jesus, but I want to do it through the lens of the original disciples. And we're going to kind of dip in and out of scripture. We're going to answer one question. Does God speak through prayer? That's the question I want to look at today. So if you're following along on your notes, the first thing I want us to see, if we're learning from Jesus through the eyes of the disciples, is that for Jesus, for Jesus, prayer was the center point of his life with God. Prayer was the center point of his life with God. Like it wasn't elusive for Jesus. It was an everyday, ordinary thing. It was like breathing or making breakfast. He's always praying. And he had this life with the Father, this this friendship that was so compelling, so curious. If you still have your finger there in Mark 1, look at verse 35 with me. It's up on the screen as well. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Turn ahead to Luke 5, if you've still got your finger there, bookmark there. Look at verse 15. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Look ahead to Luke 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus, he went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Look ahead to Luke 9, verse 18. Once, when Jesus was praying in private, and his disciples were there with him, verse 28, he took Peter, John, and James with him, and he went up onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Prayer was at the center point of Jesus's life with God. It was woven into the fabric of his day-to-day existence, his morning routine, his weekly schedule. He made time for it. Even when his plate was full, he would stay up all night because for Jesus, prayer was often more important than sleep. 
So because it was a non-negotiable, he often withdrew for fixed times of prayer. If you're following along in your notes, he often withdrew for fixed times of prayer. Right in the scripture, we see it. He went off. He withdrew. He spent the night in a solitary place on a mountainside in a private place. Because for Jesus, in order to listen to God in prayer, he had to set aside time to get away. He had to withdraw. Otherwise, the noise was too loud. It drowned out the voice of the Father. He withdrew. And you ever notice, I love this, how the disciples, they're like surprised about this. And I need that in the Bible because I'd be surprised too. They're surprised. In Mark 1.36, look at this on the screen. It says, Simon and his companions, Mark 1.36, they went to look for Jesus. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. <laughs> like, where have you been? And Jesus says, I've been praying. And they're like, what? This is not time for praying. This is time for publicizing. This is time for preaching. This is time for proclaiming. But the disciples begin to take note. This praying thing. Like he's always praying. Like when I wouldn't be praying, he's praying. What's going on here? And this relationship he has with the Father, it's compelling. Until finally one day, Luke 11 one, they're like, all right, enough of this. Enough of this. You got to teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And as a side note, do you know that the disciples, nowhere in scripture, ever ask Jesus to teach them to do anything else? It's never noted. Like, they don't ask Jesus to teach them to heal the sick. They don't ask Jesus to teach them to cast out demons or to teach with authority. The only time they ask him to help them is like, you teach us to pray. And that's fascinating because they grew up in a faith, in a culture where prayer was pretty foundational. But they're like, you're doing something different. This is different. You got to teach us to pray. So Jesus says, okay, I'll teach you to pray. Luke eleven two. He said to them, when you pray, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You want to learn how to pray. Don't start with requests. Don't start with favors. Start with Father. Start with Father. You want to learn how to pray? Start with who God is. God is Father. And if you're following along in your notes, Jesus wants us to know God as Father. It's his favorite name for God. Someone who can be trusted, someone you can listen to. And I know that for those of us in this room who had no father growing up, whose father was absent, who's dealt with trauma or emotional pain as a result of your father, then praying to God as a father does not come easy. But Jesus does not want this to hang you up. He wants it to help us connect. And the best suggestion when you pray that I can think of is think of the person in your life who is most like a mentor, who can, you can be yourself around, who builds you up and who loves your company. You want to know how to pray? Start here. God is someone you can trust. See God as father. And then see God as present, as present. You see it in the text, in heaven. Our father in heaven. 
The Greek word here is oranos, and it's translated heaven or skies. God is the God who is in all the skies. And the cool thing here is he's not just a loving father. He's also an almighty God who fashioned the hearts of every person who sits enthroned over all creation. But here's the point. Here's the point I want to make. Because we often come to this point in the prayer and we're like, hey, hey, father, who's up in heaven? Don't we? Like, don't we get to that? And we're like, what's that, father in heaven? But the word heavens here doesn't mean far away. Aranos is not like a place on Mars. <laughs> in Mark 1.14, Jesus actually says, Behold, the kingdom of heaven is near. And the story of scripture is the story of an almighty God who's moving into the neighborhood. God's not a God who's distant. He's an almighty, all-powerful God who draws near. Or put another way, all the world cannot contain him. All the world is rather contained in him, and he is present always, all around us, close enough to whisper. Jesus wants his disciples to know God as Father, and he wants his disciples to know God as present, and he wants his disciples to know God as hallowed, hallowed, set apart holy, unique, without any parallel. He's the best. There's nothing better. He's father, present, and better than anything else. If you're following along in your notes, he's father, present, and better than anything else. My kids are 15, 12, and 10 right now. And there's a lot of hey dad in the house. Uh, my oldest, Addie, we have this thing. She'll say, hey, dad. And I'll say, hey, Ad, because her name's Addie. Hey, Ad. And Brady will walk in the room and he'll be like, hey, dad. He's in middle school or junior high, you know, hey, dad. And then Bryce is like, hey, dad. Hey, dad. And I love each of the ways that they say it because it shows me their own unique personality. And friends, this is how Jesus is saying to greet God in prayer. Hey, dad. Hey, Dad, who's right here with me, the best ever. Hey, Dad, who will never forsake me, never leave, who's always near, who just can't be topped by anything or anyone. Hey, Dad, someone you can listen to, someone who's close enough to speak in a whisper, someone you want to hear from, Father, present, and better than anything else. You guys want to know how to pray Man, see God as Father. See God as present. See God as better than anything else. And then, if you're following along in your notes, see God as inviting you to be a participant in his kingdom come. Jesus invites us to be participants in God's kingdom come. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God, his reign, his rule, his government, his way, and all that comes with it, joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, is here, is here already. And in some ways, also, it's not here. You see that in the text? Like, why would we ask for it if it's not already coming? Your kingdom come here, but why would we ask for it if it's not 
here yet. And God wants us to participate. And this is the invitation we've seen throughout Scripture. It's the invitation in Genesis 1.28 when God says, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over it. It's kingdom language, rule. It's the invitation when God asks Adam and Eve to take care of the garden and to name the animals. It's the invitation when God calls Abraham to become a nation. It's the invitation when God visits Mary with the news that she'll be mother to the Messiah. And she responds, I am your servant. Not my will, but yours be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And I love Eugene Peterson's wisdom here. Look at this quote on the screen. He says, the assumption of prayer is that always God is doing something before I know it. So the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can respond to it and participate and take delight in it. Becoming aware, becoming aware of what God is doing takes leaning in and it takes listening. Like what's on the agenda today? What do you already have brewing, God? Speak, your servant is listening. What did the disciples learn from Jesus about prayer? Well, they learned that prayer is the center point. They learned that they have to withdraw. They learned that God is Father, that he's present, better than anything else, that he's inviting them in to participate. He's inviting us in to become aware and to join in relationship, relationship. You don't even get to favors or requests. It's all about relationship, conversational relationship. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to look at, I want to pull up for a second, okay? And I want to ask the question, what are the disciples to do with this? I've been taught how to pray. They asked them, teach us. Now, what do they do with it? Like, do they implement it? Because some things go down, don't they? There's a crucifixion, and there's a resurrection. And Jesus says he's going away. And they're like, don't go away. We want you to stay here. And he says, no, I'm going to go away, but it's going to be better that I go away, and I'm going to send you the helper. And so when he goes away, what do they do? What do they do? How do they listen? And we could go to a lot of places, but I want to move ahead a little bit and then just dip back down Take a sneak peek in Acts 10, verse 9. Acts 10, verse 9. All right? It says, about noon. This is post-resurrection. This is post-all of this. About noon, the following day, as they, the disciples, were on their journey, participating in God's kingdom come, right? They're out, and they're approaching the city. Peter One of the disciples who came to Jesus and was like, hey, you got to teach us to pray. What does he do? He goes up on the roof to pray. He withdraws. He withdraws for a fixed time of prayer. You see it there in the text. Because prayer is the center point. Prayer is the center point. Not action, not eating, not thinking through it all, not processing it, not planning it out. That's all good things, but it can wait because prayer is the center point and he withdraws for a fixed time of prayer. And in verse 10, it says, he became hungry and he wanted something to eat. But we know that there are times when prayer is more important than sleep 
And prayer is more important than eating. So Peter's praying instead. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And he saw, verse 11, a vision. Now, what is happening here? That's what I want to ask. What is happening? Is Peter like being taken over by the Spirit of God? Or does he just have an impression? Or does a thought come into his mind? And the thought brings about a picture. And you notice there that it's all connected to him being hungry. Like, he can smell the food being made. He's kind of praying. And then all of a sudden, this vision hits This picture of what to eat and what not to eat, God is communicating to him a very important message, inviting him to be a participant in God's kingdom come. The Gentiles will now be included in the faith. And God is communicating this to Peter through his hunger. You believe that? Because Peter chose to pray instead of eat. He withdrew. He leaned in to listen to his father. Go down to verse 17. It says, Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision. I guess he was, right? The ESV says, Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. He was genuinely confused. And I just want to stop here and say, if you're going to learn to listen to God in prayer, you're going to be genuinely confused sometimes. It's going to happen. You're, you're going to think, I don't understand what is going on here. And your inner cynic, because you live here in America, is going to be like, ah, oh, whatever. I'm out. I'm out. I'm not doing this. Hang in there. You got to hang in there. Peter hangs in. Don't be too quick to opt out on a word from the Lord. Keep asking. Keep asking. Peter was perplexed. And then verse 19 says, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, he's still trying to process this. Read this out loud with me. What does it say? It says, the spirit said to him. Read it out loud again. It says, the spirit said to him. The spirit said to him. Same spirit as in Acts 8 that says to Philip, hey, Philip, go over to that chariot. Same spirit that says to Ananias, And Acts 9, hey, Ananias, go restore Saul his sight. He's killing Christians. Go do it. (laughs) Okay, not my will, (laughs) right? The Spirit said to him. And what was that like for Peter? I mean, was it an audible voice? Simon, these men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Like that? Or was it like an impression? Like he's thinking to himself, what in the world was that picture? And all of a sudden he has a sense there's people here to meet with him. And he needs to go downstairs. Does he hear something? And then he's like, I, I, and he has a sense he's got to go down. And I know the word here in the Greek, the word for the spirit said, epon, if you take it literally, it translates as verbal communication. But then I got questions about that. Like, why didn't God just use verbal communication a moment ago instead of that weird vision? Like, why doesn't God just say, hey, Pete, the Gentiles are now going to be included. Here's how we're going to do this. I have a bolded list of things here. This is how we're going to make it happen. But no, instead he communicates through a vision 
that's connected to Peter's current circumstance of hunger to change the way the world worships. It's incredible. It's incredible. The Spirit said to him, Ezekiel 36, 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Galatians 5, 16, but I say to you, walk by the spirit and you won't walk by the flesh. 1 Corinthians 2, 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Friends, is it possible? Is it possible that God wants to speak to you, but you just haven't got up on the roof lately? Is it possible that God is speaking and you just need to pay attention a bit more? Could it be that he comes to each of us inside the shape of our own life, our own personality type, our own background, our own current circumstance, even our own hunger? Like maybe you already hear God way more than you realize, but you're waiting for something else when he's right here, present, communicating to you. I will put my spirit Within you, within you, Ezekiel 36 says. And the hang up for most of us, you know, I know that there's, there's a group of us who will be known as cessationists, right? That think all that stuff stopped back then. And that's cessationism. And it was done then. And all we see now is what's written in the Bible. But my question with that is there's all kinds of complexity with translating the Bible. Like, what do you do with that? And then what do you do with the parts in the Bible that say God speaks outside the Bible, right? But then we've also got this thing with this audible voice like why doesn't God just speak in an audible voice and I have the answer for that it's I don't know (laughs) I don't know (laughs) it's a complete mystery it's a complete mystery but I just want to throw on the table that one possible answer to why he doesn't speak in an audible voice is that he doesn't have to he doesn't have to he's present all around us He's how we live and move and have our being. He resides within us. He has direct access to our thoughts, our imagination, the ticker of our mind. Like when you really get into the weeds of communication, I'm using syllables and sounds to create thoughts in your mind. A little creepy. But I say hot fudge Sunday. Voila. And maybe God doesn't need to use syllables and sounds. We say, is that God or is that just my head? Yes. (laughs) Yes. You are receiving all communication. All communication. Communication from the flesh. Communication from the world. Communication from the devil. Communication from the spirit of God in your head. That's where it all happens. It's a battle for the mind. A battle. But praise God, we've received the spirit who is from him. Years ago, I was uh, in my mid to late 20s. I traveled with a vocal group, and um, we were out on the road. And we were going through a hard time because one of the guys in the group uh, had a a favorite uncle. He was actually a favorite uncle to many of us. And uh, he had stage four cancer. 
And so we were praying like nonstop for a miracle. And I'll tell you, one of the mysteries of this side of heaven, isn't it? Is that when you pour your heart out for a miracle and you just don't get the answer that you want, it's one of the mysteries. But it didn't stop us, man. We were going after it, after it. And we're out on tour and we're getting up early. I remember I got up really, really early one day. I was in, we were in a big city. I was praying in my hotel room. I had the room to myself. And I get this picture in my mind that I'm supposed to go out and feed somebody who needs help, somebody who's homeless. <laughs> Inner cynic, right? I'm like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. And then it comes again, boom, go out, feed someone. Uh, and I'm like, okay, okay. But I didn't want to go by myself. So I went down the hall and I got my buddy, Nathan, who was in the group. And I'm like, here's the deal. I got this vision. I don't know. I know. I, I think I'm supposed to go out. Would you go with me? Okay, I'll go with you. So we go down the elevator. We walk out. And I kid you not, man, we are looking everywhere. We're in a very populated area. We can find no one. No one. Like, I'm looking down back alleys. I'm looking everywhere. No one. And I just start to become embarrassed. I'm like, I, I don't know. Maybe I don't hear from God. I don't know. Uh, um, I'll buy you lunch. So I tell Nathan I'll buy him lunch. So we go to Burger King. And it's one of those city Burger Kings. It's a little smaller, you know. And we go inside. We get our food and we sit down. Not long after we sit down, this whole team of people come in to the Burger King. It's like a baseball team. They're in their 20s. And they just spread out everywhere. They order their food. And it's loud. And ah. And as we're finishing our meal, in the door walks this guy carrying like all these bags with him. His clothes are tattered. He's missing an eye. He's got a beard down to here. He's muttering. You can smell him in the whole place. And he drags his stuff over and he goes to the one open table and he sits down. And Nathan is sitting with his back to this guy looking at me and he goes... And listening is not just about listening, right? Listening is about responding. Like that's a hard yes right there. That's a long walk across that Burger King with all those guys in it. So I get up and I walk across the Burger King. I sit down and I just ask him if he wants something to eat. And I'll never forget it. He says, I'd like a hamburger with extra salt and mustard and some French fries. So I go up to the counter get him a hamburger with extra salt and mustard, some French fries. I bring it back and I just entertain a conversation. And I understood about half of it and there was a lot of muttering and every other word was kind of a cuss word. And I just tried to get a, get a sense of, of, of who he was and nothing supernatural happened. But it was like the spirit of God was saying to me, you don't know this guy's background and you don't know his past and you don't know his history and you don't know the hand that he's been dealt and you have nothing that you have not received where you were born and where you grew up. And I love you, but I love this man just as much. And Isaiah 58, 10 says, spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. And then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. And I could have read that verse in Isaiah that morning, but I'll tell you what, I would not have experienced it like I did in that Burger King. And if I'm completely honest, even revisiting that memory this week has been convicting, to say the least. That's the power of a spoken word, a 
vision from God. It's not a one-time thing. It's happening all the time, all around us. Like just this past week, I felt the Spirit of God not just convict me anew about that word, but convicting me about my priorities, convicting me about my time with my family, convicting me about my rhythm of getting up to the roof. God speaks through prayer. God speaks through prayer. How do we know when it's God's voice or when it's some other voice? Because it's a battle for the mind. Four questions that I want to leave you with here. Four questions. The first one is, does it line up with the fruit of the Spirit? Does it line up with the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. If it lines up with the fruit of the Spirit, chances are good you're hearing from God. The Gentiles being included in worship lines up with the fruit of the Spirit, man. That is good. Feeding someone who needs food, that lines up. That is kind. That is good. Does it line up with the fruit of the Spirit? Does it convict me in an area contrary to the fruit of the Spirit? That's the second question. Does it convict me in an area contrary to the fruit of the Spirit? Like maybe I just needed to have my eyes opened to the fact that I wasn't seeing everybody I needed to see. Maybe I just, there was things going on in my heart and my mind that were contrary to the fruit of the Spirit. So much of listening to God is being willing to receive a word of correction. And confession is the gift that we have daily. Often the Spirit of God will convict us in an area we're walking contrary to the Spirit of God. The third question, does it move me forward in my relationship with God? Does it move me forward in my relationship with God? Think about the way that the vision Peter received moved him forward in his relationship. He was being asked to do something he never would have considered just a year before. And God wants to grow us in our relationship with him. And he'll often stretch us in ways we don't expect. And if I'm not careful, I'll let the spirit of the world direct me. I'll just be like, nah, no, that's not for me. We have to be open to being propelled forward in our relationship with God. And then last, is it persistent in my life? Is it persistent in my life? You ever had something that just comes up again and again in your life? Like sometimes I'll like read a scripture in the morning and it speaks to me. And then my wife like read the same scripture or I'll, I'll be doing something over here. And then I'll read about that in the book that it sticks out to me. And oftentimes it's persistent in our life. If something is persistent in your life, pay attention to it. Be curious about it. In a discerning posture, be curious about these things and ask God to help you understand as Peter did. So we're going to just take a moment here to prepare for communion. And we don't, we don't want to just be like hearers of this stuff. We're going to be doers of it. We don't want to just read the Bible. We want to be a practitioner of the Bible. So I just want to invite you to get in a comfortable posture and maybe 
put your Bible down and maybe put your hands on your lap. I just invite you to breathe a bit. Maybe close your eyes. Slow your breathing. I just want you to thank God for the opportunity to open his word this morning. You can thank him audibly. You can thank him silently. Thank him for the chance to gather. Thank him that he's willing to speak. And in just a minute, we're going to hallow his name with a song. But in all this next time, about four or five minutes, I want you to picture Jesus as if you were to walk in the room right now. What would he say to you? If Jesus walked into the room right now, what would he say to you? Just think about that for the next minute or so. And then the team will lead us. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church, visit our website or find us on Facebook. Have a great day.